What's going on, everybody, and welcome into another edition of Be Shafe Daily. Brendan Schaefer alongside you here, breaking down some more Cardinals baseball and tough loss for the Cardinals on Monday. No getting around this one, folks. Adam Wainwright pitches a sensational game for St. Louis. He goes the distance, giving up just two runs. Both of those, of course, coming off the bat of Reese Hoskins. Two solo shots gets Wayno, and that was enough to sink the cards because they had another game where they didn't score. Give credit to Zach Wheeler where it's due. He's a quality pitcher who had a great night. It was a classic pitcher's duel between Wayno and Wheeler, but Wainwright was the only one of the two to actually complete the complete game. Kind of crazy to do so in a losing effort where the opposing pitcher was just as good, if not a little better, because he didn't give up any home runs tonight. Only ends up charged with one earned run, and it's the walk to Matt Carpenter that was issued in the bottom of the ninth inning to lead things off. Pinch hitting for Wainwright. Carpenter draws a a tough 3-2 walk. We don't have to spend a lot of time talking about Carpenter, but worth noting he was the only run to score tonight for the Cardinals. Worked a good at-bat in a pinch hit situation. That doesn't solve his issues with being able to get base hits and produce from that perspective, though. Uh, But worth noting that he was able to get on base tonight. And then the top of the order getting things done. Tommy Edmond rips a rocket base hit past the second baseman. I think it even glanced off his glove. But I'll have to check the exit velocity on that because it was an absolute hot shot. Gets things going. Dylan Carlson grounds out. But able to advance things along by doing so because Carpenter scores from third. Nice base running job by Carpenter, too, to go first to third. Cardinals had things rolling a little bit in this ninth inning. And then you get the guys up that you want, right? It's Goldsmith, it's Arenado. Those are the two names that, if anybody you could choose, you would love to slot them back-to-back and figure one of those guys is going to be able to bring the run home from second. That wasn't the case tonight as Goldsmith pops out into foul territory. And then first pitch, Nolan Arenado came ready to hit. Drove it 100 miles per hour, exit velocity off the bat, gave it a ride into center field, left center area, and it dies at the warning track, and the Cardinals lose this one 2-1. to one. It's a tough night for the offense. We've seen tough nights for the offense for the Cardinals plenty of times of late. It's just it's not the story you want to be telling when you get such a dominant performance from your starter, Adam Wainwright. I asked Cardinals second baseman Tommy Edmond after the game for some insight into the team's mentality after a loss like this where you know your starter did a good enough job, more than good enough job, to get you the win. As an offense, you just had to be able to back him up, and the Cardinals didn't do that. It's happened before this season. Surely it's going to happen again, but I think it's worth trying to dig into it with the team a little bit more when you can to wonder how do they look back upon games like these. Is it really as simple as just rinsing it off and moving on to the next one, or does that mentality kind of sit with the guys? And here's what Tommy Edmond had to say. I'll play it for you now. Yeah, I mean, Wheeler did a great job today. He couldn't have thrown much better of a game, and you just got to tip your cap to him. Um, and I think we've already shown this year that we we uh, can can get to those uh, those elite pitchers. Um, we've had a couple of good games against some really good pitchers this year, so we're not trying to get, or we won't get too down about this game and just know what our offense is capable of. And and this just wasn't one of those days. So obviously nothing groundbreaking there from Tommy. That's kind of the company line that we've heard from the Cardinals throughout this season when these games crop up. The Max Scherzer game comes to mind. They've had a few, and yeah, you talk about Zach Wheeler, Max Scherzer, those are two names. Aaron Nola obviously was another game 
Cardinals, the last time they faced the Phillies prior to tonight was that Aaron Nola game, and they didn't score in that game. Tonight, they don't score off of the starter until they get one scratched across in the last inning. Phillies have a couple of good starters. That's what that means. And, you know, when you play the Nationals, Max Scherzer certainly qualifies as one of those as well. Elite guys across the league. But, you know, sometimes, and as Tommy Edmund mentioned, they have been able to do it. Steven Strasburg, that game comes to mind where the Cardinals did get to an elite starter and were able to get some traction offensively. Of course, in that game, we believe Strasburg was probably banged up, ends up going on the injured list thereafter. And so was that really getting an elite pitcher at his peak form? I think that question is fair to ask. But I don't expect the Cardinals to roll over and, you know, say anything much different than what Tommy had to say there. But I felt the question was worth asking because I know what the mentality of the fans is, right? When these games happen, it's here we go again. And for rightful reasons, right? We've seen it happen multiple times. We continue to have these conversations on the podcast. Cardinals have these games where they disappear. And yes, in this case, it was against a pitcher that I would consider to be among that elite tier. If not, he's certainly knocking on the door of it, talking about Zach Wheeler, who has put together a good track record and with the the Phillies is off to a pretty good start this season, especially after this game tonight where he goes eight plus innings, nine strikeouts. Cardinals didn't get a whole lot going against him. You can make the same argument about Nola, about Scherzer, but At the end of the day, the Cardinals, if they're going to want to win this division, which obviously they do, you have to be able to sometimes beat these guys and maybe at a rate higher than what they've done so far. Or if you don't, if you do have elite pitchers that sometimes you tip your cap, as the Cardinals have said, you have to be able to make sure you're beating up on the average to mediocre guys, maybe at a higher rate than you've done so far, because you can't necessarily allow every time you face a tough starter. And I'm not saying the Cardinals have done this every time. We've cited examples where they have gotten to guys. But if the majority of the time, it's just as simple as, well, we we ran into a tough starter tonight and that's the way it goes. Like Adam Wainwright was a tough starter too. But somebody on that Phillies team, this time it was Reese Hoskins, emerged, found a way to get it done, and allowed his team to win that game. Because if he doesn't do that, From the opposite perspective, you're talking about the same concept for Phillies fans and for this Philadelphia Phillies team saying, wow, we really let Zach Wheeler down by not being able to score for him. But you get that magic extra run, one more than the other guys, it's all you need, and that was enough for the Phillies tonight. Credit to Reese Hoskins, put two good swings on two pitches from Adam Wainwright that he would probably like to have back. And that was something that was really tough for Wainwright because despite the fact that this loss was not his fault. And one concept that we're going to have to get into a little bit is the question of whether Wainwright should have been in the ninth inning to begin with. Uh, If you follow me on Twitter at bshafer12, you know what my stance on this is already, but I'm going to kind of dive into it a little bit. Naturally, the Twitter game is one of second-guessing managerial decisions, and there are many times where that second-guessing is not only worthwhile, but in some cases, it's going to be right on. It's going to be objectively correct to say, yep, this was a misstep. And we've seen, you know, a couple of missteps from Mike Schilt earlier in the year, the one with John Gant, where he left him in the game rather than go to a pinch hitter in that spot a couple weeks ago, it seems like at this point. He owned that one and said, yep, that one's on me, and I wasn't good enough today 
as the Cardinals manager. This case, I don't think it's the same thing, personally. I know some on Twitter were definitely questioning it, but we'll get to that in a minute. But to the notion of reiterating that this loss was not on Adam Wainwright, despite him being the hard luck loser in the box score, he was sensational tonight. This loss falls on the shoulders of the Cardinals' offense. That's the the whole story, right? But when you pitch a complete game and you don't win it, you're still going to find elements of your game that you wish had been better. So we'll hear from Adam Wainwright here talking about the loss. Despite pitching his butt off, Cardinals weren't able to get it done. And even though you got to score to win games, he felt some responsibility for the way things ended up. Here's Adam Wainwright from tonight's Cardinals loss. Yeah, it's still my favorite. Still my favorite thing about pitching is being able to go out and get those last three outs. Um, really hurting about that second run. You know, just uh, still playing right now if uh, if I don't give up that second run. But, you know, I felt pretty good today. I, I pitched a good game. I can't be – can't nitpick every little thing, but that was that's – a, that's a dagger. So it's interesting you hear Wainwright describe the second home run hit by Hoskins in the ninth there as a dagger. And, I mean, yeah, in retrospect it was. And I saw this coming, too, if you go look back at my Twitter timeline – First of all, I was totally in favor of bringing Wainwright back out for the ninth inning. I had no problem with it. I tweeted it at the time because here's the way I look at it. The Cardinals did not appear like they were scoring tonight regardless. It it, it didn't seem like it at the time. Anybody who was watching uh, was agreeing with that. That was, you know, the sentiment on Twitter wasn't necessarily how problematic the Wainwright going back out for the ninth was until he gives up the homer. And I said, look, I think even if he gives up the home run, give him a chance, finish this game, get get the complete game under his belt. That's definitely an accomplishment. I know that anything that happens in a team setting is more important than individual achievements in this game. But the team wasn't achieving very much at that point in time. And I do believe that the butterfly effect it's sort of a real thing that you. there's just no way to know what the Cardinals offensively would have done in the bottom of the ninth had they gone to the bullpen there for the top half of the inning. And Wainwright ends up only going eight innings, giving up the one run. Could it have been that Wainwright finds a way to get through that inning, nobody scores, and that gives the offense the jolt that they need to push them over the top in the bottom half? I think there's some merit to that. I think there's some merit to seeing a respected veteran like Wainwright at 39 years old go out and be dominant enough to put away a lineup and get through nine innings the way Wainwright did tonight on just over 100 pitches, I thought there could have been a little cachet there that would have got the offense going. Wainwright does finish the complete game. The offense does kind of get going. Can we say that it would have been the exact same had it been anybody else pitching in the ninth for the Cardinals? First of all, they're probably not putting in their number one top arm whoever you think that might be. Alex Reyes wasn't going to pitch. He pitched essentially every day of the weekend. Gallegos, maybe, but he's been used. Had a two-inning save on Saturday. Might have been able to go for an inning. Typically, you're not going to be... And sometimes this is something that gets lost, I think, in the discourse, but you're not typically going to bring a guy like that in in a losing effort right now. So if you're down, you're looking at maybe arm number three, number four, if you're ranking guys in the bullpen, uh, 
because if it's a tie game or a lead, totally different story. But if you're trailing in a game, I think typically you're not going to see the number one or number two arm out of the bullpen, and that's just assuming that everybody's available, which obviously was not the case tonight and never is going to be the case that everybody is available, very rarely. Maybe now after this because Wainwright gave everybody the day off by pitching all nine. But my point is, do you want Adam Wainwright going out there for that ninth inning from a whatever perspective you want to see it from? Competitive perspective, just trying to win the game? That's the main perspective. But also, if there's a little bit of extra incentive to getting him that complete game, maybe that leads to the possibility of winning the game. Get the offense going. I'm probably talking about that more than is relevant, more than is proportional. It's probably not, you know, I'm overstating that possibility a little bit. But I think it's real. I think it exists. And I think it's also conceivable that Wainwright was just as good of an option to strategically, competitively compete in that ninth inning than anyone that they were reasonably going to bring out of the bullpen. Because the bullpen hasn't been nails, especially in these situations where you're trailing. What have we talked about with the Cardinals? They win the close games for the most part when they've got a lead or they're tied and they find a way to get ahead late. They've been able to win those games. They win the blowouts because everybody would win the blowouts. And they lose the games that they get blown out in. Haven't been as many of those recently because the pitching has really come around. But when the offense doesn't contribute, you're seeing losing close games in that fashion become more of the norm. But I think one other little nugget is that in games where the Cardinals, A, are not producing offensively, so they're trailing by a couple of runs, one, two runs, whatever it is, and then you bring in the bullpen, those kind of... I hesitate to use the word lesser arms in the bullpen, but not your top flight guys. Those leads for the opposing teams have tended to grow at that point in time. So while I do agree that you were seeing some signs of Wainwright slowing down in that game, giving up more contact, more legitimate contact as that game went along, obviously the homer, the first one happened in the seventh, and then the eighth was a little bit of uh, some hard contact there as well. And, you know, you go out for the ninth and you give up another homer to the same guy that beat you the last time. It's just one of those things that's going to happen. I don't think it's the reason the Cardinals lost this game. I understand it was the margin of defeat. But I said afterwards, all right, retweet myself. Because I said, you know, what would be classic Cardinals is now that it's 2 nothing, they're going to score one run. I said it'd be by a solo homer. Instead, it was a little miniature rally that got things sparked. But they score the one and then make me look like an idiot. This age, well, that's my favorite thing that people say on Twitter. Awesome. Okay. (laughs) But, you know, I retweeted my original notion of thinking it's a good idea. I agree with Wainwright coming out. You might as well get him the complete game. If they're not going to score, have something to, to hang your hat on at the end of the day. And, of course, that didn't end up looking very good. And so I said, retweeted it and said, hey, Send your replies to this tweet down here at your leisure. I'll be over here still disagreeing with them. There are reasons to nitpick Mike Schilt sometimes. I don't think this was one of them. And again, you're welcome to do it if you want. I'm just going to always try to come straight to you with what my viewpoint is. And sometimes you as a listener may agree with it. Sometimes you may not. Tonight, I just I, I cannot get up for the emotional debate of should Wainwright have been in that ninth inning. And I think after he gave up the home run, absolutely, he should have remained in the game. At that point, you know, you're down by two. Okay, he's still only at a, under 100 pitches, whatever he was. Now you really can let him finish the game because maybe the stakes aren't as high. 
He ended up doing fine thereafter. And of course, the Cardinals get a little bit of a rally going. Better late than never. It's good to see them, you know, still fighting, clawing, trying to get something done. Baseball's a hard game. I get that. I get that it's it's hard to just magically snap your fingers and score two runs after not having scored all night. Getting Wheeler out of there certainly helped. I was curious. In fact, they took him out just after the Carpenter walk to lead off that ninth inning. It obviously panned out for them, but Wheeler was looking so good against the entire Cardinals lineup, really, that that was maybe a little bit of a surprise to me, and I would argue it almost gave the Cardinals a better chance to finish off that game. And listen, you're 10, 12 feet away from doing so on that Nolan Arenado deep drive to left center, center field. So it's just the nature of this game sometimes. Cardinals right smack dab around 500. Going to have to find a way to continue to battle. Going to have to find a way to take advantage of these starts when you get a guy throw a complete game for you. That'd be nice to be able to win those games, right? I believe the stat that some other people were tossing around, I hadn't looked this up, but in the press box, and it was mentioned on the post-game Zoom, it's been something like 14 years since a Cardinal starter has lost a complete game, and it was Adam Wainwright who did that last in his first complete game of his career. I guess that would have been 2007, his first year as a starter. So it's been a minute since that's happened. Uh, not, it, It's more of a notorious distinction than you'd like you know, you'd love to talk about the complete games. Wayno had a couple of them last year. One was in seven innings, but he won both those games. It's an important difference. So kind of hard for Wainwright to be able to enjoy this as you heard him talk about how much that second run killed him because he just, he, you know, this was a game that Cardinals could have won. He was really, really good tonight, and they don't end up getting the offensive support necessary to get the job done. That's life in the big leagues, though, as the Cardinals lose the opener against Philadelphia 2-1. to at Bush Stadium. Uh, Yadier Molina was back in the lineup today. I feel like I should mention that just to, as a housekeeping note because he was out the last couple of games, had the foot issue. Everything came through clear, according to Mike Schilt. Uh, and I think maybe it was just a natural point to get Yadi some rest, be extra cautious. You'd rather lose Yadi for two games now than you would, you know, six weeks later on because something lingered and, and you didn't give him the opportunity to rest it like he needs to. And really, I, maybe that's not the right phrasing. It's never the opportunity to rest for Yachty. It's forcing him into the, you know, the straight jacket that keeps him on the bench because the guy is a gamer and wants to play every single day. We know that's his reputation, and, and he backs that up on a daily basis with, with, with his work ethic, and that's just the way the guy is. So good to see him back in the lineup for the Cardinals. Uh, of course, it happens that he's catching Wainwright. It's like he couldn't possibly miss a Wainwright start, right? These guys are continuing to chase history, trying to chase down the batteries in front of them, the battery mates that have combined for the most starts in Major League history. I don't know exactly where they sit on that list as of right now, but they're moving up at all the while. And the Cardinals have clearly made it a priority to get these guys locked up together for each game that Wainwright starts because there have been opportunities that it would have made more sense for Kisner to be the starter, like the the one that ended up being, I guess that was Yachty's 2000th game that could have happened the day before, and then Wainwright could have been caught by Kisner because that was the day before an off day, and so it's natural, you know, beneficial to get the two in a row for Yachty or Molina when he does sit because you're off on that Thursday anyway. But it's not the way they did it. I'm, I'm pretty much okay with Yachty and Wayno kind of 
dictating schedules and, and allowing things to, to work out that way. As long as they're still competitive, which obviously they are, um, you know, and, and it, like I said, Yachty ended up getting the rest because of the little injury scare. And so everything pretty much works out on that front. I'm sure you'll see him now back in there for uh, pretty much, I don't know, what are we, where are we at here? We're starting this big stretch for the Cardinals of uh, 17 days, 17 games. That began on April 23rd, I believe, on Friday. So I'm sure you'll see Yachty in there for the rest of the the games on the the homestand, and then they'll go to Pittsburgh. He'll probably play all three of those, and I think they play seven more at home back at Bush after that. Yeah, he'll be in for six of those games. That's that's just the way it is for Yachty or Molina. So he's back in there. Good to see for the Cardinals backstop. One other topic I wanted to touch on before we got out of here because I teased it at some point in the podcast yesterday. This is a bad habit of mine. I get to talking, get excited about things that are going on, and I forget when I say, hey, later on we're going to talk about this, and then sometimes I don't. Well, yesterday I caught myself doing it. It was the hit-by-pitch situation I said we were going to dive into a little bit more uh, with Reds manager David Bell getting really upset about that situation, ultimately getting ejected from the game, and arguing his point on the field for what felt like 10 minutes. I've never seen a manager argue as long as he did. Like, it wasn't that crazy exciting. You could tell he was animated down on the field, but it was the length of time where at some point it was like, all right, this has kind of lost its luster. Can we get on with the show? He wouldn't leave the field. I had tweeted it out, the, uh, the Joe Buck quote from the Cardinals Game 6 of the 2011 World Series win when he said at one point they just won't go away. That's what I felt like about David Bell yesterday, interestingly enough. And uh, Joe Buck was also in the house tonight for the Cardinals game against the Phillies, had the family shown on the Jumbotron. I remember when I was walking in this afternoon before the game, you kind of go through the metal detectors down there um, in the media entrance before you go up the elevator. I saw some kids down there wearing uh, Buck on little Cardinals jerseys on their back, and I thought, oh, I wonder if that's Joe Buck's family. And I didn't see Joe Buck down there, but then when they showed him on the the Jumbotron later, I said, oh, yep, that sure was his family. So kind of cool. Couldn't tell. I think he had a little Cardinals hat, though. It, it might have been like a like a vintage. It wasn't like the STL logo, maybe not making it obvious. People would say Joe Buck hates the Cardinals. You know, you, you've heard that said by people, social media, whatever over the years because, you know, he does the national games. And so when he does the Cardinals games, people think, oh, man, he's, you know, he, he doesn't even like the Cardinals anymore or whatever. It's a different mentality when you have his job on the scale that he has that job at the highest level broadcasting games for football, baseball. He's done some golf. The guy is, is you know, a, a consummate professional. And so he's unbiased in what he does because – that's what you have to do to be as good at the job as he is. And off the field, away from the mic, he's a really kind of funny guy, good sense of humor, great personality. Got the chance to watch that in play once. At uh, When I was still working at 590, they had like a Q&A session that Tim McKernan hosted with Joe Buck. That was really cool. I got the chance to go to. That was back around when Joe Buck had his book coming out, which I read and I really enjoyed. Uh, a lot of good stuff about his relationship with his dad, Jack Buck, in there. So if you're a Cardinals fan hasn't read that, I would definitely recommend it. But I just bring this up because I thought about, yeah, Joe Buck was there, and I think I even saw as I was driving out, they might have been walking out. It's like, is that them again? But anyway, I I think uh, Joe Buck gets a little bit of a, uh, a bad rap. I also saw that he uh, 
might be trying to angle for that Jeopardy gig as they're floating through new uh, guest hosts potentially. And uh, I think he'd be really good at that because I think he's really good at everything he does in broadcasting. But anyway, that's enough of a sidebar uh, from the David Bell conversation. What I thought was just interesting is, and, and the Cardinals will face the Reds again, of course. They've, they've played two of the series against them. They have, I guess, four to go, 12 or 13 games remaining on the season series between the Cardinals and Reds. The hit-by-pitch that was out of the hand of Jack Flaherty hit Jonathan India in the helmet. Obviously, that's not fun for anybody. Nobody's claiming that it would be. It's not intentional, though. I mean, you and, and again, I think we almost are protesting too much when we keep talking about how it wasn't intentional, but I want to be abundantly clear for anybody that might be confused on that topic. It wasn't intentional. You could see from the reaction Jack Flaherty had right after it happened, kind of slunk down to a crouch, hated to see that situation. Really good to see that India appeared to be okay. I think he even stayed in the game to run. They might have took him out thereafter uh, to get him checked out, but you know, that's just one of those things that I think doesn't get on the radar quite as much. If you hadn't had the Castiano situation in the opening series, everybody's radars were kind of already up between these two teams. Mike Schultz said his weren't because it wasn't something he was thinking about from one series to the other. And sometimes you hear a manager say things like that. And you're like, okay, sure. That's what you're supposed to say. Sometimes you, you hear a guy say it and you believe it. In that case, I believed it. Like I really do think Schilt locked in enough on what's going on day to day. It wasn't like, okay, you know, he doesn't spend time thinking about it before it happens. Like, all right, what's going to happen with Castellanos this series? Are we going to have another brouhaha? Like, I don't think that's something they, fans think about that in media. We think about that more than I think the manager would in that situation, but worth bringing up because that's the second time this year that a Cardinal pitcher has hit a Reds batter in an area that Definitely doesn't feel good. I, I don't think there was intent for either of them. I tend to believe the Cardinals in saying that it wasn't intentional with Jake Woodford in that first situation when you consider how wild he was that day anyway. After all, it was a wild pitch that allowed Castellanos to score from third base. So I don't think there's any question. Neither of these hit-by-pitches between the Cardinals and Reds were intentional. But the Reds cl- clearly are pretty peeved off, and now they got swept by the Cardinals. And so... Wouldn't surprise me. The reason I bring this up after the series is already dead and gone, they're going to play this team again. I do think my radar will be up a little bit more, not for what the Cardinals might be doing to the Reds, but the Reds might have a little bit of something chip on their shoulder to say, look, enough's enough. I get it that none of the things that have happened to us were intentional. Doesn't mean they hurt any less, or in the case of a shot to the head, was any less scary. Anytime you throw a fastball up in that area, uh, it's a danger zone, and you don't it, you just cringe and you you hold your breath and you hope everything's okay. And so, from the Reds' perspective, I wouldn't be surprised. And look, it depends on who you talk to, what you like about the unwritten rules of the game or whatever. But there's an element of policing itself where if you get away with something like that too many times, I'm not saying I advocate for this, but I do think it's something that you wouldn't be surprised to see if then the Reds would come back and say, "Hey, this is just eye for an eye here." You got us twice in some bad areas. We're going to hit you in the butt, you know, give you 95 to the to the cheek, and that can maybe be the end of it. But I don't know how kindly the Cardinals would take to that if it happens. So all baseless, wild speculation on my part here, but I do think it's 
kind of interesting to talk about when you get into the nitty-gritty on these these rivalries that you're going to see throughout the NL Central. I'm, I'm excited to see the Cardinals, first of all, play the Cubs. We haven't seen that happen yet this year. And get back together with the Brewers because even though the Brewers got clobbered tonight, Miami Marlins took uh, Corbin Burns for a ride a little bit, which sucks. I traded for Burns yesterday in fantasy. I think I might have even mentioned that on the podcast and uh, got some of his baseball cards in the mail today that I ordered. His first real clunker of a start for the season. I think he gave up like four runs in five innings. At any rate, it's exciting, I think, to see the Cardinals rekindle these rivalries, and the Brewers is one that I think is going to be really good. Hasn't heated up necessarily just too much because they've only played the three games and nothing crazy happened with them like did with the Reds. It seems like, too, every year you've got one. It can be one or the other. Sometimes it's the Pirates, but usually it's the Reds or the Brewers that are like playing the second fiddle, the shotgun uh, seat to the Cubs rivalry with the Cardinals. And I think this year it's going to be the Reds. But it wouldn't surprise me either to see the Brewers get in on the fun because they're the team that you're going to be chasing. I'm going to keep repeating it. The Brewers have the pitching. They have the hitting. They have the a little bit of swagger gelling within their lineup. I think they picked up some good players that are going to help them win more ball games. Intangibles, you get guys like Colton Wong in there. I think JBJ is a really good player, Jackie Bradley. So I like that Brewers team. I think they're they're poised to make some noise. And they've got good pitching not only in their rotation but their bullpen. Freddie Peralta is a guy that's been starting, but you can put him in any role, give him multiple inning stints, and he's going to be really good. Devin Williams is nasty. Josh Hader, nasty. So, giving you my breakdown of the Brewers here to wrap up the podcast. But, hey, that's the way things go sometimes on uh, this pretty stream of consciousness show. Not sure if you've noticed this before. I don't come out here with any notes. When I begin doing B-Shape Daily, I just kind of shoot from the hip. And, you know, there are things I obviously want to talk about, but I don't, I'm not typing this out to to script it. We're just kind of rolling rolling with the punches here on the Bead Shape Daily podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast, by the way, before I get out of here, give myself a shameless plug. Head on to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all the great, wonderful places you could find for your audio listening pleasure. Check out Bead Shape Daily. Continue checking it out. Listen, download, subscribe, all that good stuff. Uh, appreciate it really a lot when you guys do. Uh, another thing I appreciate... If you dig the baseball cards thing like I do, my Twitter, every day I'm going to be putting this out for Cardinals lineup, putting it out with the baseball cards. Give that a like and a retweet when you are when you happen to see it, if you're into that kind of thing. If you're not, that's okay. It's not for everybody. But I know some people have been enjoying the baseball card lineups. Um, I've been enjoying putting them together for sure and uh, keeping my eye out for new Cardinals-related cards that I can put, put out there. I'm actually really excited for Harrison Bader to get back healthy because I've got a ton of good cards of him that nobody's seen yet. One of them I pulled out of a pack, and I, I I think I might have mentioned it on Twitter to somebody, like in the replies, but I didn't ever tweet it out. I didn't share it. I want to kind of save that for when I can use it for the first time in a lineup. I'm pretty excited about that. But if you dig the stuff we're doing on Twitter, appreciate it for following along and uh, sharing that content when you see it as well. KMOV.com, if you uh, missed the uh, story from yesterday on Tyler O'Neill's big day, can read that, and then I'll have something up by the morning, I think, for uh, this uh, loss 2-1 to one the Cardinals had on Monday. I don't think I'm going to be able to get it all the way done before I go to bed tonight. It's getting a little bit late, but uh, keep it locked on KMOV.com slash sports because a lot of the content that you see on that website is uh, coming from my hand as well. So appreciate you guys for the support. It means a whole heck of a lot. I enjoy talking Cardinals baseball. Uh, glad to know there's some people out there who, uh, who like hearing what I have to say about it and uh, sticking along with me for the ride. It really does mean a lot. 
and it's a very humbling thing for you guys. So appreciate it once again, and we will talk to you next time on B-Shape Daily. Peace.